When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I simply know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. With me, as always, via Zoom video chat is my co-host. She doesn't want to know anything about the Rock Hall, and yet years later, here she is, one of the leading experts. I'll go ahead and say it. Kristen Stuttered. <laughs> Hi, Kristen. How's it going? <laughs> oh my gosh. I really, I probably am. I mean, I've spent, how many hours have I spent talking about this? Oh, it countless, like uh, uh, upwards of 200, I would say. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly like walking, you know, just being a person in your everyday life, like you're not encountering anybody who knows more about the rock hall than you, unless you're talking to me. Oh yeah. I literally like heard Shaka Khan in a grocery store and turned to my roommate and was like, she's up for nothing. <laughs> she's, she's on the ballot again this year. My roommate's like, I don't care. So, <laughs> well, I've ruined your social life. That's yep. exciting to know that I wield that kind of power. Let's bring in our guest. Very excited to have him. We've been going back and forth via email for about three years trying to make this happen. He is the head of content over at The Ringer. He also hosts a podcast called The Big Picture, Sean Fennessy. Hi, Sean. Hi, Joe. Hi, Kristen. This has truly been uh, an email chain years in the making come to life. So delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. So happy to not have been on it. (laughs) (laughs) We figured it out. Joe and I figured it out. We did. You live in Los Angeles. So the original idea was to do this in person. But given the time of the year and the season, and I know that you are a Rock Hall voter, it felt like we had to get you in now now would be appropriate i'm delighted i i've been a voter for some time and yet i'm almost certain you guys know five ten five hundred times more than i do about the rock hall so i'm excited to learn something today wow it's almost like we should have ballots i'm suddenly we've been (laughs) we've been having a low-key i've been lobbying for joe to get a ballot for like a few years and he's been certainly lobbying and now suddenly i'm believing that i deserve one too i think this is the year that i'm like no i should also have Mm -hmm. one because of time devotion alone it truly well help me understand what does the rock hall think of you guys you know have you heard back from the from the folks inside have we gotten anything on letterhead joe i do not check (laughs) our email (laughs) I've worried about, because we use the phrase rock hall in the name of the show, I have worried about legal recourse because I know Future Rock Legends, which is the ultimate source for rock hall data online, used to be called Future Rock Hall until they received a cease and desist. But we've talked with people who are up the chain, but we have no direct contact with anybody who is, I think, in the position to make a call (laughs) about our fate. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 
Maybe when we're done here, I'll give Don Henley a call and I'll let him know that you guys have been doing this show and I'll make sure that he has the show canceled and that you guys can no longer do it. Thank you. That is a, that's a little known clause. maker at the hall. (laughs) Yeah. In the charter of the hall, if Don Henley or any original member of the Eagles, Cynthia Walsh does not have the power, but it has to be an original member of the Eagle has the power to shut down any media property that the, that might be infringing on rock hall (laughs) copyrights. Sean, I got to know. When did you become a Rock Hall voter? And do you remember the process of, I guess I'll call it onboarding? Ooh. (laughs) I think of it more like knighting. You know, it's like I I, I came before the queen and I knelt before her. I don't remember the details. What I do remember is, I want to say it was at the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. I was working as a music journalist primarily, and a woman named Maura Johnston was asked to nominate some future voters. I think she had been a voter, and she thought of me, and she said, I want to nominate you to be a part of this. Are you interested in being a part of this? I think I'm getting this right. And I said, of course. I'm interested in halls of fame. I'm, I'm obviously interested in the history of music. I knew that there was some teeth gnashing historically over the way that the hall went, but I wanted to be a part of the change. I wanted to be a part of introduce and in the music that I was primarily writing about, I was working at Vibe Magazine at the time. I'd primarily written about hip hop for most of my career. And, you know, the hall, especially at that time, it's not super strong in that category. And I think they were trying to open it up yeah. a little bit. They were like, let's bring in a writer from Vibe. I've got just the guy. Okay. I know exactly who to bring in. That crossed my mind. Let's bring in another white man with brown hair from the suburbs. And Nailed it. So they got what they wanted. They were like, we want a hip hop writer, but not... You know, you know. Oh, no. I don't think they were narrow casting for a type, but I think they heard Vibe Magazine staffer and they, they got interested in that. Well, you tend to post your ballots on your Instagram. I do. And I was able to trace that back to 2013. What I would like to do is I'd like to take a trip down memory lane. Okay. I'd like to make it a game. I want to see if you can remember... <laughs> <laughs> who you voted for for okay. the rock hall i definitely cannot so this will be exciting okay so i have pulled up the ballot for uh 2013 and okay. for the listeners i'm gonna run through who was nominated we have paul butterfield blues band chic deep purple heart joan jett and the black hearts albert king Kraftwerk, marvelettes the meters randy newman nwa pro call harem public enemy rush and donna summer now you can pick five and you did pick five. Well, I know for a fact that I picked Randy Newman because I worship okay. Randy Newman. I have to assume I picked Public Enemy because Public Enemy is very important to me. Mm-hmm. I believe I picked The Meters, another band I love and I feel is overlooked. I'm going to say Kraftwerk, and then I'm going to say the fifth one is tough. <sighs> Chic? Let's see. You did not pick Chic. You picked NWA. But otherwise, pretty on point. Not yeah. so far apart. Yeah, I think maybe I thought... <sighs> NWA can wait another year. PE has mm-hmm. to get in first. But no. Makes sense. In, in fact, I was doing my duty as a no longer Vibe employee. In fact, Vibe <laughs> folded uh, <laughs> while I was working there. So it has since been reborn. Keeping the Vibe energy. Yeah. yeah. Get that ballot. Vibe over to the Rock Hall. All right. Let's take it to 2014. We've got Paul Butterfield Blues Band, Chic, Deep Purple, Peter Gabriel, Hall & Oates, Kiss, LL Cool J, The Meters, Nirvana, NWA, The Replacements, Linda Ronstadt, Cat Stevens, Link Ray, Yes, and The Zombies. 
I know LL Cool J was a nominee this year, and so it's sad to think back on 2014 and see him. So uh, my guesses would be The Meters, NWA, and The Replacements for sure. I guess Link Ray and LL Cool J. And no NWA. Oh. Wow. Chic this time. Okay. Oh, Hall of Notes. I would have guessed Hall of Notes if I had read this properly. I do love <laughs> Hall of Notes. It appears I have an NWA bias. Well, you'll have another chance. A few, a few more chances at least. <laughs> okay. Uh, here we are in 2015. We got Paul Butterfield, Blues Band, Chic, Green Day, Joan Jett, The Black Hearts, Kraftwerk, Marvelettes, NWA, Nine Inch Nails, Lou Reed, The Smiths, The Spinners, Sting, Steve Ray Vaughan, War, and Bill Withers. Ooh, this is a difficult game. I do believe I voted for Bill Withers. I do believe I voted for Lou Reed. Nine Inch Nails, Kraftwerk, Green Day? You went NWA this year. Fuck. <laughs> you okay. went NWA. Wow. Okay. And not so- Green Day. Interesting. All right. Good to know. I need your vote. I've been inconsistent thus far in my voting habits, huh? You know, I don't know what to think about you as a voter now. You seem like a fine man, but as a <laughs> as a voter, I just inconsistencies. There's uh, plenty of pod left here, Joe. I got plenty of opportunities <laughs> to show you how not good I am. Nine Inch Nails was nominated. Was this their first nomination? This is first year eligible, 2015. Yeah. So they made the ballot as soon as they were eligible. Was this last year their second? It was their third. What a travesty that they're not in. They got in last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah, they I got it last year. They were... <laughs> okay, fair enough. I thought for a second you were going to say, what a travesty it is that I have all this information in my brain. I really thought you were going to be like, how tragic that Joe was able to just pull out of the top of his head how many times they had been nominated and what years. Well, I accept that I am on the podcast in which the host has to have that. If not here, then where? Thank you so much for validating my existence <laughs> no. in this podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, we have made it to 2016 we've got the cars cheap trick chic chicago deep purple janet jackson the jb's shaka khan los lobos steve miller nine inch nails nwa the smiths the spinners and yes janet jackson nine inch nails nwa shaka khan cheap trick no the cars not cheap trick okay and not quite throw it in a jb's vote which is uh, kind that was was bold Yeah. yeah but yeah you voted for the cars chic JB's, Nine Inch Nails, and NWA. You did not vote for Janet. Well, here's the thing with the JB or Shaka. You really wanted to believe that that's who you were. Janet and Shaka oversight. I, I, I I have no excuse. Um, The JB's, I think, is is correlated. I think to my hope that hip hop be recognized because they're, of course, the bedrock of so much sampling. They are the the foundational band that so many rappers have sampled over the years. Understood. Even though their discography without James is fine. I still think they're important. How many times have Los Lobos ever been nominated? This was also their only appearance on a ballot. Can you guys explain that to me, actually? Like, what? why would they be eliminated from the ballot then going forward? Because of the number of votes they got or what? Not necessarily. It has to do with who is advocating for them in the room, the amount of excitement for them from the other people who get to determine the ballot. It can be a number of things. I do think, and it has been confirmed, that if an artist does very poorly with the voting that sometimes that is justification for not putting them on the ballot again the next year or maybe putting them on ice for a little bit but it's it's a shadowy secretive process so we can only we can only guess i'm a huge sports fan what we do at the ring there's a lot of sports coverage at the ringer and halls of fame are very important to sports obviously and there is a 
and almost a religiosity to who should and should not get into the halls of fame, especially baseball, obviously, as I'm sure you guys know, there's mm-hmm. an intensity around the way that the voting process works and the control that the baseball writers association of America has around it. And there's, you know, a lot of statistical measurement around whether or not someone is worthy. And I have the exact opposite sensation about the rock hall. Every time I see the ballot, I'm like, all these people are sick. Like these people are all good. <laughs> like yeah. you know, with the rare exception of like sting who I'm not a big fan of, you know, occasionally someone will crop up who I don't really care for, but like even Chicago, I'm not a Chicago fan, but is Chicago not worthy of the rock hall? I, they, they are a hugely accomplished and talented band who basically owned popular music for three plus years. I don't know. Like what, what's the criteria here? You guys must talk about this all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, that's one of the, major issues with the hall as a concept. And so one of the things we try to do, and we will do kind of for the second half of this episode, is I have come up with a list of criteria specifically to address this problem, given, you know, the subjectivity of music and what the hall is supposed to mean when the hall itself doesn't ever really say what its own criteria is. And so I've come up with a list of categories that I think if you do well enough in them, at the very least, you can understand why the hall would want them I inducted. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's something we try to wrestle with every week here. Have you guys seen over the, you know, the course of the last 10 to 12 years of voting bands that are not in that REM U2 echelon of early 80s and mid 80s bands has there been like that second wave that wouldn't get it that initial first ballot or second the ballot new wave you might say wow well done <laughs> very well done uh, um, right like have we gotten yeah. to the second tier of yes yes is Devo in did Devo get in I can't recall Devo is on the ballot this year. this year okay and they were nominated two years ago mm-hmm. very good Kristen I okay. hate it I mean, I remember seeing them on the ballot and I remember thinking Devo should be in, but also feeling like perhaps maybe Devo has to wait 10 years to get in. But will they be able to wait? Will they get a chance 10 years from now? I think they will get in, but it's where do they fall given that they are, you know, admittedly, however you want to cut it, you know, they're not one of the obvious, like put out seven huge albums, like, you know, the U2 REM comparison. Yeah, there's groups like that, like Devo, and we're seeing the Go-Go's this year and and Mm -hmm. B-52s and who aren't quite on that level, but, you know, are the next rung down who, and they, we're we're still kind of waiting. I think we're, you know, like with The Cure getting in two years ago, that and Depeche Mode last year, you can see there's a yeah. swing around into that like part of the 80s happening. Even though they're those bands st- are still massive. Those are massive. Those I was are gonna still, say, to me, they still tier. seem tier A. Yes, that's, exactly. That's yeah. t- top tier of new wave. I don't think we're going to be, uh, what is it, eking out the 80s anytime soon. <laughs> We've been sweeping out the 60s. We're scraping out the 70s. Right. It's like <laughs> at, at this point in the hall, the second tier artists are the ones coming from the 70s, like the Doobie Brothers. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know, Got it. if you want to even look at this ballot, you know, Chicago and Steve Miller. But let's go on to the next ballot. Sure. 2017, we've got Bad Brains, Joan Baez, The Cars, Chic, Depeche Mode, Electric Light Orchestra, Janet Jackson, Jane's Addiction, Jay Giles Band, Journey, Shaka Khan, Kraftwerk, MC5, Pearl Jam, Tupac, Steppenwolf, Joe Tex, yes, The Zombies. A pretty large ballot. 
wild ballot too. Also to see how many times Janet Jackson has been nominated is starting to actually make me angry. Like I know when you she know the gets future. in and now I'm like, now I'm very, now I'm like starting to, it's pissing me off. Well, I wonder if you're going to be pissed off with Sean. But yeah, I'm a little yeah, concerned that out. you're going to be, given what I know about myself. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I have some idiosyncratic tastes. I would guess I went Bad Brains, ELO, Kraftwerk, Pearl Jam, Tupac. Is that crazy? That's kind of a weird list. It is a weird list, but it's hard to not have a weird list from this. Yeah, this uh, is a ballot. very weird ballot. Like so, you, when, you, when you open up with Bad Brains, I'm like, this is a str- and you've got also the MC5. I mean, there's a lot of going on with this ballot. So you did do Bad Brains, you didn't do Electric Light Orchestra, you did Chic, uh, you did Kraftwerk, you did Pearl Jam, you did Tupac. So okay. pretty close. Four out of five. It's hard to not go back to Chic when they're on the ballot every year. I think that I might have started to have a consciousness about the fact that they weren't getting in at this point, too. And that might have been why. I was like, can we just wrap this up and get Nile Rodgers into the fucking Hall of Fame? This seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah. When did they do it? Is it, 20, it, is it the next year? year? It, it okay. would have been this year, 2017. Yeah. So this was the last time Sheik was on the ballot, and then they inducted Nile Rodgers in a separate category that year. That's so crazy. Let's take a look at the at the next ballot. We've got Bon Jovi, Kate Bush, The Cars, Depeche Mode, Dire Straits, Eurythmics, Jay Giles Band, Judas Priest, LL Cool J, MC5, The Meters, Moody Blues, Radiohead, Rage Against the Machine, Rufus, Nina Simone, Sisters of Art, Link Ray, The Zombies. Jesus. Every every year it's a car crash. There's like 15 nominees. <laughs> 13 then, of whom should be in automatically. Well, the fucking the, the ceremony that they made from this. Yeah. <laughs> rough. Rough stuff. 2018. Was. Okay. You'll have to remind me what that is. I'm going to guess Kate Bush... The Meters, Radiohead, Rage, and Rufus. No, okay. Nina Simone, not Rufus. Nina okay. Simone. Okay, last second. What they ended up inducting this year was Bon Jovi, The Cars, Dire Straits, The Moody Blues, and Nina Simone. And they ended up putting Sister Rosetta in their early influence category, which was probably the right thing to do. Got it. And probably the best part of the freaking show. This was also the first time I ever watched a rock hall ceremony. And it I was almost right lost after you. our show started. And I <laughs> almost was lost you. Not happy. That's a, t- that's a t- tough group of inductees. Oh. Yeah. Let's take a look at who you voted for. You did not vote for Kate Bush, but you did vote for the MC5. You voted for the Meters. You voted for Radiohead. You did not vote for Rage. Wow. <laughs> Exclamation point. Honestly, <laughs> shocking to me. <laughs> you voted for Nina Simone and Link Ray. I think the MC5 and Link Ray votes are probably somewhat similar to the Chic vote the previous year, which is to say I've seen their names quite a bit, fan of both of the bands, or I guess in Link, Link's case, the artist. But I don't, again, I have no idea. I'm revealing some some latent misogyny here. I, <laughs> I uh, This is very unfortunate. I love Kate Bush. I don't know what I'm doing. The world hadn't woken up to the misogyny in the air we breathe uh, at so. that time yet. Sadly, it was only a few years ago, but now it would be really hard to imagine being like, oh yeah, I just voted for all guys. No problem. <laughs> like, I, But like, uh, candidly, I have no idea why I would vote for MC5 over Kate Bush. Like, I don't, I can't make that make sense in my own head. Mm, I, I guess a sense of order. You know, MC5 mm. is one of the older bands. Joe's trying to help you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't, uh, I mean, I don't. Maybe you, th- maybe off, you thought but, this? Uh, I, it's very I, I, I would get that for MC5 over Rage, you know, given that Rage, you know, yeah. is allowed to exist because of what the MC5 did, you know, no doubt. prior. But is this the last time MC5 was on the ballot or do they come on one more time? They were on the next two. 
Joe, it's officially insane that you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm now realizing the depths yeah, right. of your madness. I mean, you're right. You're correct to acknowledge that. At first, you didn't, and uh, you come around. <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm, it, it, was, it was the no pause, I think, that really <laughs> that, shook him. It was the certainty and the quickness that I think probably uh, showed who you really are. Well, I fancy myself an organized mind and someone who has encyclopedic knowledge of certain things, but you have... You've officially wowed me with that level of detail. Yeah. Wowed. That's a, a nice way of putting it. Uh, let's take a look at uh, You've officially embarrassed yourself, Joe. Thank you. 2019's ballot. We've got The Cure, Def Leppard, Devo, Janet Jackson, Kraftwerk, LL Cool J, MC5, Steve Nicks, John Prine, Radiohead, Rage, Roxy Music, Rufus, Todd Rundgren, and The Zombies. Again, I'm concerned about the latent misogyny here based on what I picked. If you didn't vote for Janet Jackson... It's definitely you haven't have you voted for her one time not yet you have not voted for her even one time yeah i'm gonna say that i did here i okay. hope you did this is the year she gets in uh, i'm gonna say radiohead and rage as i did i'm gonna say rufus and chaka khan and i don't i don't even devo okay. i honestly don't know Man, so, LL getting no love from Vibe over here. He got, he got, oh, he, he got love in the past, though. All right. Sean's love. Cool jokes. Oh, Sean, you did not vote for Devo. You voted for The Cure. You did vote for Janet. You voted for LL. You didn't vote for Rufus, but you voted for Radiohead and Rage Against the Machine. Is there a Rufus vote coming? Did I vote? For, I feel like in my bones I voted for Rufus. You know, historically, not. no one votes for Rufus, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to say okay. probably Some, not. Something I've been telling myself. This is a this is a very respectable list, but also feels somehow dishonest to my taste because I would choose Devo over The Cure personally. So I don't know why I did that. Probably because you thought The Cure would get in. Had a better shot. Yeah. yeah you yeah. were strategically. That's, prob that's probably right. And was that correct? Did they get in on the first they shot? Did get, they, did they did get in. Yeah. Is this the year the Radiohead got in as well? Yeah. Yes. Three of your five got in this okay, year. Okay, cool. All right. Who was well. the other ones? It was Def Leppard and the Zombies. And Stevie Nicks. Oh, and yeah, Roxy. and Stevie Nicks. And Roxy Music. Jesus. It's funny, lot. like, in some cases, I think I try to vote to get people in. Like, I probably did try to vote to get The Cure in. I did try to vote to get Radiohead in. But I didn't vote for, say, Stevie Nicks because I felt she would get in. Mm -hmm. And so there's some confusion, I think, in terms of my strategy, my mentality around yeah. some of this stuff. Well, Likewise I, for The Zombies. I'm never going to vote for The Zombies, you know? I think especially this year when Radiohead did not get in the previous year in their first year of eligibility, which is one of the more shocking things. That was shocking. In the Rock Hall. I think then the next year, everybody was like well i can't be strategic about radiohead anymore because that kind of backfired so they have to get my vote yeah no that makes complete sense all right let's take a look at last year's ballot 2020 which had pat benatar depeche mode doobie brothers whitney houston judas priest rufus Kraftwerk, dave matthews band mc5 motorhead nine inch nails notorious big todd rundgren soundgarden t-rex and thin lizzie boy a truly wild ballot again i'm just <sighs> i know that i voted for biggie that's a fact vibe vibe i presume soundgarden whitney houston nine inch nails t-rex let's find out i'm like was this your rufus ballot no very close you did not vote for soundgarden you voted for Kraftwerk. okay as you had done many times in the past did whitney get in she did so actually you this is the closest you've come to getting the final class because whitney got in nine inch nails got in biggie got in t-rex got in and then also the seer depeche mode and the doobie brothers got in Oh, that's a pretty good group. 
It was. Sadly, we did not have an induction ceremony because it was scheduled for May of 2020. They done good though. I'm I'm a fan of the Doobie Brothers, even as the, as the token 70s. You know, not mad at the Doobies. Yeah, that's if you need a classic rock act in there, then that's a great one. Yeah, this is very deserving. Interesting, interesting yeah, slate. I am mad about Pat Benatar's exclusion. That is a personal vendetta that I have. <laughs> I'm quite mad about it. I did threaten to quit the show if she didn't get in. It got heated. Got very it heated. It was, uh, but I have no principles, and so I'm still here. What other vendettas uh, do you have? Can you share some of well, those? Well, I mean, one of them is about to be just laid to rest. Hallelujah! And that is Tina Turner will be getting the fuck in this year solo, and I'm very, very happy about it. I've also long raged about Carol. King not being in solo as well. And the fact that they're both on this ballot gives me great hope. You lit up when I told you, when I revealed the nominees to you. you I couldn't it, believe it. It sent you, if I may use the, the parlance <laughs> of <laughs> the youth. I, I was very, he reveals the nominees to me live on our show every mm-hmm. year. And I was so surprised and please i mean i think i almost cried like tina is Mm -hmm. such a big deal because she's gonna get in that's the Mm -hmm. thing that is like i feel so much joy when i think about that because i have when those fucking guys were just like she's already in with ike Ike this was we we talked we talked to some former nominating committee members including one who was still on the committee, Seymour Stein. Seymour Stein. Um, of course. We founder kind of, of Sire. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, legend and an inductee himself. And a few of his pals and people from the industry who we like. Yes, our friends, friends of the show. But we sometimes take uh, their temperature to get an idea of how the older set is looking at the ballot and thinking about potential uh, Rock Hall inductees. And boy, oh boy, did they ever love Ike Turner. They really did. I didn't know anyone was publicly (laughs) still doing. Anyway. uh, It was a wild time. Let's let's take a look at the 2021 ballot. So you filled this out recently. I'm hoping you can remember who you who you filled out. <laughs> that would be deeply disturbing to me. You've already sent it away, so there's no uh, amount of strong arming we can. We have changed people's votes live on the show before. I think we love to do. Accidentally, we <laughs> we kind of we took a vote away from someone trying to get it to go somewhere, but ended up going else anyway. I I think I know what I did. Um, and again, I'm not totally sure how I feel about it in retrospect. <laughs> oh, Sean, you got to bring us a blank ballot. Yeah, we'll we help you. Right, maybe we can do that next year, guys. Um, okay, I definitely voted for Kate Bush, right? I, 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 I think I've been trying to will Kate Bush into the Rock Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely voted for Jay-Z. He's one of the signature artists of my life. I really care about Jay. And even though I knew Jay would get in most likely... I wanted to be a part of that vote. Mm-hmm. Um, Fela Kuti is also an artist that I love, and I thought it was exciting that they put him on this ballot, and so yeah. I wanted to, wanted to honor that. Uh, Rage, I'm sure we will talk about Rage shortly. Um, definitely voted for them, and, and Tina Turner. Okay. So I, you know, I, I, I think that's right. I believe your short-term memory is on point. That looks okay. to be <laughs> correct. Great, got it. <laughs> Man, okay. if you if you were wrong. <laughs> 
I don't know how I would have responded exactly. Uh, it's been a hell of a year, guys. So it's not there's no accounting for what I can remember. But I did. I this isn't this is a very complicated lineup because I very easily could have thrown votes at Mary J, Carol King, and LL. I think they all were worthy. There's a case for all of them in distinct ways. Um, friends of mine were like, "How? why are you voting for Jay-Z and not LL Cool J? This is ridiculous. They have to put LL in. Jay-Z is going to get in in a walk. Um, I understand that. I respect that. I'm a fan of LL Cool J. I just, I don't know. I couldn't get my, couldn't get my dander up for it, I guess. He's really had a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> he really has. It's like, this is, yeah. how many times Poor has he guy. been, has he been nominated number five six. times? This is number six. Six? Yeah. I mean, and, and they've, a... they've been trying to get him in since the year he was eligible. And it kind of, it feels like it has just gotten harder. So here's the thing. Brand management is super important. And how you become a legacy artist is super important. And I think for whatever reason, and I think that these artists had a lot more advantages than LL in some ways, the 60s and 70s classic rock machine is very generous to bands like the Zombies and bands like the Doobie Brothers. And they create a lifelong experience of enjoyment for the fans of those bands over time. And there's the revival circuit and there is uh, terrestrial radio and you can sense legacy being built over time. LL Cool J is now the host of the Grammys and the star of NCIS Los Angeles. He's not a musical artist to most people. And mm-hmm. his, there's he's an the, entertainer. Yeah, he yeah. is. He is. Um, he pivoted. He pivoted. He for him, but in yeah, in terms of you know a canonization like this, it's uh, it makes it a little trickier. Yeah, I mean, I think there is certainly a strong case to be made that he refined and perfected two different signature aspects of the hip hop persona. One was the lover man. He basically like took what was happening at the kind of foundational golden age, you know, Curtis Blow moment of hip hop and put like a level of precision and songwriting care into it that made it maximal. And also he basically invented the rap comeback. I mean, the mama said, hey, knock you out moment. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. that you are not you, meant to call it that. Uh, but he did. And, uh, you know, those are two, those are two like tropes of the genre that he owns and mm-hmm. is more than enough for him to get in. But and I yet don't, you did not vote for him, but so. I, I, am <laughs> as much a victim of this as anybody where it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm kind of like, do I go back and put on LL Cool J records? I mean, there are LL Cool J rap records produced by Rick Rubin, which should be the best thing in hip hop history. And I don't listen to them. I don't know why I don't listen to them, but I don't. Well, as you said, a case can be made for just about any artist on this ballot. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to make a case for Rage Against the Machine using my uh, aforementioned categories that I lovingly uh, curated so that we can do (laughs) uh, such a task. But before we do that, let's take a little bit of a break. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you over-explained something that you really did not need to explain. (laughs) Sean, before we kind of jump into the categories, I'm just curious, do you remember the first time you heard Rage Against the Machine? I don't know of the date, but I'm almost certain it was on... Well, then I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost certain it was uh, on 120 Minutes, 
the sure. mm-hmm. famed MTV After Hours alternative rock show. Matt Pinfield was a guest on our show. By our friend a, Matt a great Pinfield. A great man, Matt Pinfield. Introduced me to many, many bands that I love. How was it as a moment for you personally, suddenly seeing this different, I would imagine, group? Yeah, well, okay, so... I no longer primarily cover music. In fact, I very rarely cover music with what I do anymore. Even though I do work for Spotify, um, the ringer is popular culture and sports. And in the past five to seven years, I've completely shifted to covering movies, Hollywood, filmmakers. That's sort of my area of interest. And a a frequent topic of conversation for me is the sensation of I didn't know that you could do that in watching a lot of the movies in the 90s. Obviously, mm. Quentin Tarantino and Steven Soderbergh and Sofia Coppola and David Fincher and Spike Lee and John Singleton. And these are frequent topics of conversation on the shows that I appear on. And all of those filmmakers, it felt like they were disassembling and reassembling the history of movies in real time. So I'm fascinated by artists that do that. And I'm fascinated by artists who, at least at that moment in my life, could make me say, I don't, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know you could make a heavy metal record that had rapping on it. I didn't mm-hmm. know that you could rap about Noam Chomsky. I didn't know <laughs> that you could use the corporate infrastructure of the record industry to spread the message about Mumia Abu-Jamal. I, I didn't know that that was something that anyone was allowed to do or could get away with. And so in the case of Rage, they I think they were a very eye-opening band. I'm not a particularly punk rock person. Um, I'm not necessarily even a particularly defiant person, but I think I am inherently cynical and appreciate people who are unafraid to tell the truth. And I was always just kind of blown away by the fact that that band was like, I don't give a fuck who is paying for this. I'm going to say whatever I want. And I'm going to do so in an impressively melodic and also screeching fashion. So they just clearly had a kind of visceral and intellectual impact on me at a very young age. Yeah, I think that's the experience for a lot of people who are kind of within the age range of, of the people on this podcast, where especially if it hits you, like I think the first time I heard Rage Against the Machine, I was in middle school. And like when a middle schooler is like, oh my God, like <laughs> what if the principal hears this? Fuck like, you, yes. I won't do what you tell me. Literally. Like, what? Yeah, it, it, like, really, it really plays into the emotions and feelings that are just starting to bubble up. And then when you see them expressed in like, like the most visceral, angry way, You're, you almost feel like scared but attracted to it. Yeah, I I don't I I don't even remember being scared. I think I just I remember being I don't want to say emancipated. That's probably a little bit overstated, <laughs> but uh, I I think unhooked from my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I I'm from Long Island, New York. My father was a police officer. Uh-oh. Um, Whoa, okay. My parents were divorced. I was not particularly close to my dad. I have just a lot of complicated feelings about authority, as one does growing up in the suburbs in a, in a mm-hmm. Roman Catholic household. And oh, gosh. Yeah. So all of the Freudian bullshit is present. So I think a band like that spoke to a lot of kids. And, you know, like I think about this generationally just a little bit, too, because like the sort of micro generation that follows, obviously, is also a series of very angry male physical bands, you know, bands that seem to be manifesting their rage in ways that were not necessarily um, productive. And I think rage is obviously lumped in with those bands a lot of the time. And on the one hand, I think there is some fairness to that because of like the intensity of their music and the kind of like Mm -hmm. physical violence that it sort of brought out of people and people like myself. 
but also obviously their message and not just their message, but like basically everything that they did with their success, everything that they talked about in interviews, everything that they represented in their their like logo and sloganeering and everything was so clearly just only oriented around their point of view on what was wrong with the world that it, it was kind of amazing. Now, I have not gone on professionally to be a person who is insistent upon telling people how they should live their life or what is necessarily wrong with the world. But I, to this day, am amazed by how consistent they were, by how insistent they were on their ability to basically use this incredible, honestly, I thought new form of music to just beat suburban teenagers over the head with their ideas. It was, I still think it's radical. First of all, an incredibly well-named band. Absolutely. They are what they say. They sound like their name. They mean it. We've dealt with so many shittily named bands. I'm just like, (laughs) this hits so well and perfectly strikes the exact right tone. I think there is this element to their music that is very much, they could be lumped in with a fucking Limp Bizkit kind of rap rock era that came after them and just really was a terrible, shitty new metal. Why did it have to happen to us? Is this the price we paid for rage? But like they were able to connect with frat guys and angry white young teens. And they were like connecting to their anger and this rage, if you will. But it was like, they were showing you where to point it, which is literally at the fucking machine, not at the oppressed people in your life. And I think that it got really perverted by the copy of a copy, what came after. But like, I think to imagine if it got through to just even the number of people, the fact that they were playing these songs on the radio, the fact that like the alternative radio station in my suburban Chicago town was playing Rage Against the Machine. Like, that's where I heard it. I heard it on Q101. People weren't just attaching to the, like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Maybe that's what, like, gets them in. But to hear a song about racist cops played on the radio and to know that some people might actually be observing some messages, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. cool to have fucking conscious music that rocks. Yeah, and up until that point, it wasn't really happening on a mainstream level, which is a, a huge point of distinction, which is that obviously there was political music that happened before happening in a number of genres, but f- happening in rock and then also being consumed by the masses was unheard of. I think the thing that is tricky with them is they're identified as a sort of mid-late 90s band, and a lot of that has to do with... I think Woodstock 99 and a lot of it has to do with the matrix and they're appearing on that soundtrack and also that their last album, which many people consider their best album is kind of this like fin de cycle, you know, it's this sort of like end of a century. Like we have destroyed this country that we could have made great. Like that's the ultimately the theme of a lot of their music, but really in a lot of ways, they're, they're an early nineties band. They're more like public enemy than they are like Limp Bizkit. And their radical politics and the sense that like every song should be like a fire alarm, you know, that it should just be so this cacophonous, undeniable, and yet weirdly hypnotically melodic form of music. And that the person whose voice you hear is the most commanding person you've ever heard in your life. You know, the same way that Chuck D when you hear Chuck D on a public enemy song, you're like, that must be the voice of God. 
And if not mm-hmm. God, then someone who is incredibly powerful. And I thought of Zach in the same way. I think of Zach De La Rocha. He's a really interesting figure because he is another guy. We're talking about like musicians who don't necessarily protect their legacy. I mean, he just vanished for 15 years. He was just not present. He was not, he didn't record a song. I think mm-hmm. for 10 years before making a Run the Jewels song. Which is a very good song. Run them jewels fast. Run them, run them jewels fast. Run them, run them, run them, run them, run them. Fuck the slow-mo. And the experience of hearing that and being like, that's Zach like, okay. He's yeah. that. Unmistakably. Same guy. And he sounds exactly the same and the same level of skill. And the, the, that band, the constitution of the band is also very interesting. It being this sort of, you know, multiracial collection of people that were just incredibly well-educated and intelligent and had a very clear sense of the kind of band that they wanted to be. I, I, I've been down live rage rabbit holes of like 1991 concerts where they're playing to 18 people and talking about the movement that they think is important. And it's weird. It's like watching a fire engine being built. They're so clearly going to be something very powerful. And they're still to this day, I I I can't think of very many precedents for them. Like there's not really any been any, or I should say successors. Like, I don't really know who, who like holds the mantle that they had at that time. Yeah. They they feel one of a kind. I do want to say Zach disappeared for like 15 years, but five years ago, uh, I was in a yoga class with him Wow. uh, in Los Angeles. And I looked over and he needed to rent a mat from the, front desk and they said oh we just need your name for it and he said his full name he didn't just say zach he said uh it's zach (laughs) because i was like is that him but i remember being like that's definitely him and i know it for sure because he said his full name when he was getting a yoga mat do you remember he was in a diner that we were in was i fred 62 Oh, I know it well, Fred 62. Oh, you were not having a good night. I think I was crying and I think, but I do also think that, because I remember that he has been in our orbit before. I also think that he was at a magic show that I was in once. All right. What? I I run in magic. Was it at the Magic Castle? No, it was at this weird- um, Underground magic spot. Underground magic spot in someone's backyard. This is also the same place where I literally once saw Beck and- Billy Corgan be like, oh hey man, and like hug. And then like <laughs> and I was like, if you had told me that in 1999 that that I would be witnessing this and that I wouldn't like lose my mind, I had to like play it very cool. I was right there. It's a great little one act play. It was it, Beck, it, Beck and Billy Corgan. <laughs> it lives in my mind forever. Well, Sean, you mentioned that they are an early 90s band. Their debut was 92, which means that they became eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018. They were nominated that year. They were then nominated the following year, 2019. They were off the ballot for a year and now they're back 2021. So this is their third nomination in four years of eligibility. Let's go through the relationship between Rage and the Rock Hall because it is actually a a pretty exhaustive one. Tom Morello inducted The Clash in 2003. Zach De La Roca inducted Patti Smith in 2007. Tom Morello was on hand at the Rock Hall's 25th anniversary concert in 2009, playing with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. They played songs like Ghost of Tom Joad, London Calling, Badlands, and then there was a big jam where they played Your Love Keeps Lifting Me Higher. Tom Morello is a great person to have in a jam because usually the guitar player in a jam 
you cannot tell that they are in the jam, especially if you're just listening to it. But you put Tom Morello in a jam and, you know, he's pulling out an Allen wrench. He's like doing the weird thing where he's, he's flicking the pickup switch and like rubbing his hand up and down. And I, I appreciate someone who has a distinctive enough sound and methodology with the way they play the guitar that you can hear them. And it's unmistakable that they are involved. He is a one of a kind technician. Well, and he truly. is also very famously on the nominating committee. Right. So let's let's get to that. In 2013, he was there at the induction. He didn't do anything except he was, again, there at the jam. They played Crossroads at the end of 2013, which was a fun jam because it's one of the few jams where like everybody there got on stage. So it was Rush, John Fogarty, the Wilson sisters from Heart, Chris Cornell, you know Gary Clark Jr. is in the mix. You know Dave Grohl is in the <laughs> you mix. You know, you know they are. And then Chuck D and Daryl McDaniel's were on the mic, rapping sporadically as they were playing Crossroads. And it's it's an interesting mixture of everyone kind of who had been inducted that evening. Now, the next year, Tom Morello in 2014 joins the nominating committee, and I would say not a coincidence, Kiss is inducted that year, and Tom gives the speech to induct Kiss, and he's been very public about his endorsement and kind of campaign to get them in, and apparently he gave such a good speech in the room for the nominating committee, they were just like, well, obviously you're going to be doing this at the ceremony. A band that could not have more opposite politics from his <laughs> own. Like truly some very... So they're embrace the machine, become the machine. Yeah. But that raises some amazing questions about rage. I don't, I don't want to cut you off here as you're going no, through Tom's history, but Zach always struck me as the true ideologue, you know, the true severe fundamental activist. And Tom who is incredibly sophisticated and obviously also very vocal about his beliefs and is aligned with Zach on most of them is kind of a traditionalist and has always kind of been a traditionalist and is very into the idea of the historical nature of the art form. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's not shocking that he's on the committee. It's not shocking that he caped for kiss because he had the same experience with kiss that I had with rage where he saw kiss and was like, I can't believe someone can do that. You can dress that way and make a band and make it sound like that and make it sound so evil and so pop at the same time. This is extraordinary. So like, it's not so far afield to me that he would ride for them, even though his politics, like you say, Kristen is so radically different because when you're a kid, it's like an emotional experience first, and then it's an idea experience. And he's probably reflecting on that, right? Yeah, I think so. If I may uh, just kind of wrap up here with Morello, specifically his connections to the hall. In 2015, he was part of the Paul Butterfield Blues Band tribute playing Born in Chicago with Zach Brown. And then just last year, he made a, a brief appearance when they did the uh, Eddie Van Halen tribute and basically had people on their phones being like, <laughs> Eddie rocks. Uh, but obviously, Tom is like at the induction ceremony every year. He's a part of the nominating committee. He's one of the more prominent members of the nominating committee and someone who, like kind of with Questlove and, and Dave Grohl, is a little bit of 
part of the PR machine for the rock hall. They're like the, the faces of this, they're always there and they, you know, whether they're actively defending it, they just, their presence alone is, you know, an endorsement of the institution. It's very interesting how like a lot of those guys have kind of aged into the expectation that they too want to be memorialized and have their time memorialized in the same way that those who came before them did, even if their experiences or their politics or their level of success was radically different from those that came before them. But I get it. You get older and you're like, don't forget about me. I did something. Please yeah. remember that. Let's uh, let's jump into the categories. First category is iconic slash recognizable songs. I think there are probably four songs that even if you don't think you know Rage Against the Machine that you have heard, I think the probably top one is Killing in the Name of. Some of those that work forces I think that is kind of the song that defines them. It is their signature song. And then after that, if we're going chronologically, I'd say Bulls on Parade. That's got a super recognizable riff. That's another thing about the Rage songs is that mm-hmm. Morello is a master of the riff. What felt to me at the time like he was bringing it back. I don't know how historically true that is, but it felt like they, there was like, oh, these are almost like Zeppelin riffs in the way that it's so distinct and recognizable from the get-go. And then the other two I would put up there are Testify. And Gorilla Radio. I think there's a case for Freedom, the last song on the first record. They had a song on a Godzilla on the Godzilla soundtrack and a song on the Matrix soundtrack. They sure did. The Godzilla soundtrack was very important to me uh, at the time because <laughs> um, uh, I had heard that soundtracks were cool and I had not <laughs> yet bought one. I had I had the Space Jam soundtrack, which didn't fully count because it was a cartoon. But then I got the Godzilla soundtrack. Yeah, and the song "No Shelter" is on there, which is an absolute jam. <laughs> Wake Up is on The Matrix, right? Those songs might be the most widely heard Rage songs, actually, perversely. Because they made their way into the ears of people who weren't necessarily seeking out Exactly. Uh Yeah, I mean, The Matrix in particular, I just feel like that's one of the most considered pieces of popular culture of the last 25 years. So, Mm -hmm. And then if there is a kind of second tier... From that first album, I'd throw Bomb Track. And then probably Know Your Enemy. I would say People of the Sun, I think, made a mark. Then on that last album of originals, I would say Sleep Now in the Fire. Hey, hey, 
I'm like sleep now in the fire might actually be more, most known to me of all of those second tier that you said, even more so than some of the first tiers. That they would play that for like B roll of people fucking shit up. I yeah. feel like that like became uh-huh. stuff that happened. Yeah, and then Renegades of Funk, which was on the the covers album from 2000, which is a cover of a Africa Bambata song. Uh, let's talk about the next category: classic albums. There's the three of originals. It's the self-titled debut from '92, Evil Empire from '96, and then mm-hmm. Battle of Los Angeles from 1999. And then Renegades, which was the covers album from 2000, that's their studio album output. I think a lot of people would put those first three up there in terms of classic albums, especially the debut and Battle of Los Angeles. It's pretty legitimate one, two, three as one, two, threes go. Let's connect this category to the next one, critical acclaim. And the way we do this is by looking at the Rolling Stone list of the 500 greatest albums. Now, I'll pose the question to both of you. Do you think Rage has any albums on this list? Yeah, I definitely think that they have at least one album on the top 500 albums. I would guess that the Battle of Los Angeles is on that list, right? Kristen, do you think so? Well, that to me is the one that I would have been most inclined to say would have made it. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I think it stayed too, because they did a revamp in 2020. And I think that it was much more leaning toward contemporary artists i participated in that revote oh well well i will tell you guys that rage was on the list in 2003 with battle los angeles one of the few albums that was dropped for the 2012 slight edit and then did not return for 2020 oh for shame debut from 92 though is on every iteration of the list Oh, yeah. That's a nice surprise. Okay. Do you guys want to make some number guesses? Yes. I think then that 193. For the debut? It's probably way higher, but for some reason, that's what I'm feeling and that's what I'm guessing. I will go 192. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But the price is right at me. Brutal. Uh, Well, I will let you guys know that Battle of Los Angeles obviously was vulnerable in 2003 because it left. And so it was at the bottom. It was at 426. Now, the debut in 2003 was 368. In 2012, it was 365. And then in the massive rehaul, it jumped up to 221. 221. So not terribly far. Pretty close. Pretty oh, close. Yeah. You, you, you guys were kind of, kind of what, on the money what there. What accounts for that? To me, the Battle of Los Angeles is the superior record. The first record has higher highs. Evaluating this list, you tend to notice that debuts mm. seem to resonate with people pretty significantly. I mean, obviously, because it's the introduction of an artist. And so that, uh, I think, might have a more historic significance when people are, are, are putting together their list. But of their kind of three albums, they've got two that have a presence at some point on here, which I think is quite a good batting average for an artist, especially an artist in the 90s and a list that is so skewed to the 60s and 70s. That's so I would I would say that is kind of definitively like those two are classic albums, no matter how you cut it. I'm happy for them. With Rage appearing on the list that many times, I think it's it's pretty clear, if it wasn't already, that when we talk about critical acclaim with Rage, they were 
applauded. They were one of the few hard rock bands to get Grammys, let alone a, a hard rock rap band. I think given that they were doing something that was like political, may, and maybe that's harkening back to the 60s for some of the, you know, like old guard white male critics who wish every band was the MC5, this really did something for them. I think they're a critically acclaimed band. I, I was curious to ask you guys before doing this, if you feel like they, they've been an, an interrogated band, if because I... I I never really got the impression that people writing about the band seemed at very interested in what the band was trying to accomplish. I think especially of the last couple, like the last album is very much this like Marshall McLuhan-esque, like have you really considered the way that you're spending your time kind of criticism of the American human consumer experience. And I always felt like the band, people were like, this band has an extraordinary sonic palette Zach De La Rocha is an amazing vocal artist. You can't deny the power of their music. The end. And I always, I, maybe just as like a pointy-headed teenager, was like, yeah, but what about what the song is about, dude? <laughs> and I never really got the impression that there was much interest in that. Recently on the show, we've been going to Robert Criscow, you know, as a representative of that style of kind of classic rock criticism he's he kind of goes back and forth between glowing but almost like rolling his eyes his pull quote from battle of los angeles if only it promised as much for the future of rock leftism as for the future of rock guitar i mean i i don't um necessarily like disagree with his brand of fatalism there but i'm not totally sure that that's the takeaway like is the take is your job as a critic to be like Good luck with this message, douchebags. I lived through the 60s. Like, <laughs> you know, and I I have all the respect in the world for Robert Criscow, obviously. But mm-hmm. that just, it did seem like there was older critics seemed very dismissive of the politics. Younger critics seemed very enthralled, but sort of maybe not quite as intellectually curious about what they were up to. And so mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm coming off of like a little bit of like a, like a Chomsky idea, I think, but I, 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 I'm just, I always just found it interesting that like, I never really got the sense that anybody was listening to the lyrics is what I'm saying. Aside from fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. I think now that we have distance from their music to me, a lot of looking back on it and maybe this is, you know, purely anecdotal. It feels like it's evaluating it as rock music more than it is as a, as a political message. And I think maybe only now mm-hmm. that there is like what feels to me like a significant reckoning of capitalism specifically in this country that maybe the message is, is starting to be heard on a like a, a larger scale. That makes sense. I think it is possible to listen to a rage record and not listen to it to just miss the scream message. and yeah. miss the message completely. But I do think that they did go to great lengths to literally slow it down and repeat it. I mean, to say some of those that workforces are the same that burn crosses like over and over and over again. As so like that, the only lyrics of that song, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, they tried. I think there was a lot of people willfully not listening. Mm-hmm. The same way, like if you're listening to alt-rock radio, you're not kind of primed to be really listening like oh, wait a second. Is everything Zen? Like you're, no, you're just listening to <laughs> yes, rock yes. radio. You're, you're not thinking about the lyrics. So, and that's kind of the way it gets to you, but there have to have been some people who, I mean, that was the point was to expose it to so many people 
And even if it's a small margin, the larger you, the net you put out, then you can you can catch something and change their minds. I always think about this with Wake Up because I'm I'm so hung up on the the Matrix thing. But you know the lyrics of Wake Up are it's about Malcolm X getting assassinated and how people blamed it on Islam and how he tried to empower poor people and that's why he was killed and. The song ends with Zach saying, how long, not long, because what you reap is what you sow. And I think people like thought that that was some sort of like right wing call to arms. You know, like it's like one of the most misread songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fascinating. Kristen, I think what you said is totally right, which is as a teenager or as just a music listener, it's it's easy to hear these songs and just roll along with them and it's easy to hear and think like this has as much as in common with bush's everything zen as it does with, <laughs> with anything else in the world right they're heavy guitar songs a passionate lead singer and this sort of like incredible phraseology that gets stuck in your head but this song's literally about malcolm x getting shot in the head like it's 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 not vague or unclear what the songs are about and so that's why i'm always so interested in them as this like totem of rock power and angst because they're the only band that was not oblique uh, during this time you know like nirvana was an incredible changing force in rock and roll music but they were so he was so obtuse in his ideas and this this music is the exact opposite of that they're they're so unusual cindy lopper not in the hall (laughs) (laughs) the next few categories are ones we don't have to dwell on very long because it's you just kind of Commercial success, like they sold 16 million records, and that's not as much as some of the other artists on the ballot, but especially for an artist that was saying and doing what they were doing, that is a a remarkable feat. Next category after that is longevity. This wasn't a band that was around for decades, but, you know, 92 to about 2000, an eight-year run is is solid. Three or four records and out is enough, I think, to establish, you know, a, a catalog. Did they ever break up? Was there like an ending? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. It was yeah. like a big thing? They were, you know, they had been on record as saying, I think Zach is the one with this quote where they just were unable to agree on anything. It came down to like things of like, should our t-shirts be black or camo? Like everything was being a fight and they were not able to have four people all trying to accomplish the same goal that it got to that point where they could not do it again. So they broke up 99 or 2000, you know, oh. right when George Bush became president and then came back uh, right when he wasn't president to, you know. <laughs> it is interesting how like when we needed them most, <laughs> they, they reunited for Coachella famously and a few other live performances. A fun fact is that I had tickets to see, I, the BC boys were like my favorite band and I was supposed to go to that fucking tour. They were touring with rage in like, must've been 1999. And I remember it was like a paper ticket was sent to my house. I had it in the mail. It was like a big, cool fucking looking ticket. And then I think it was Mike D got in a bicycle accident in New York and they canceled the tour and then rage broke up and it's <laughs> Kristen. Can I, can I tell you something? Me too. Same story. Whoa. Had a ticket. These are the two, my two most favorite musical artists that started in my lifetime, the BC boys and rage against the machine. So this was the, the dream of dreams. And uh, I was so excited. I was so furious. I missed the window on Rage. I'm not even sure if I could see Rage now and feel good about it. I've become such a sellout hack in my late 30s that I don't know that I could credibly look at them in the eye and say, 
I'm still with you guys. <laughs> they would yeah. know. Yeah, they could sniff you out, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure of it too. The next category is influence. We've talked a little bit about the kind of a rap rock that came after them, which is not an asset or certainly not a point in their favor. I'm curious if we think that rage was influential. To blame? Like, can we- <laughs> Not to like, blame, but we... were they influential in any, in any significant way? Like yes. of the things that came came after them. Yes. I think definitively, if you listen to any of those bands, and I have been recently for a reason that I can't talk about, but maybe one day I'll be able to talk about. Um, how about that for a tease? Uh, I have been listening to a lot of Corn and Limp Bizkit and that cohort of <laughs> oh band, which was, I was not a fan of those bands at the time. And I'm still not a fan of those bands, really. But the thing that they did, in addition to rapping, which Zach... I think, you know, kind of pioneered, at least in that like discreet, loud, kind of heavy metal influenced rock format is they tried to recreate Tom's sound with like three different people. You know, sure. they, would, they would they would literally have a DJ and on stage. And one of them was a DJ. Yeah. Yes. They would literally have the DJ on stage. They would have a secondary guitarist because they couldn't create the power that, they, that Tom was able to create. And like the West Borland types of the world were clearly influenced by Tom's guitar tone. Like he clearly is like ripping a lot of that sound off for a lot of those Limp Bizkit songs. So like they were, they were definitely influential in that very specific way. Yeah. That's an interesting point about adding a DJ to your band, you know, is always viewed as just like, what is happening? But it's to interpret it as they're trying to be Tom Morello by adding, you know, an additional guitar and a DJ is interesting. And, you know, I thank rage for incubus every day. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's, Obviously, that's a very um, ignominious period in American popular music for a lot of reasons. But, you know, there's the, there are those famous stories about, like, the way that Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain felt about each other, you know, and the mm-hmm. idea that the, like, the sort of Jesus Christ pose, like, mega rock star versus the person who's trying to destroy and disassociate from that. I'd love to know, like, what Wes Borland said to Tom Morello. Like, did, th- did those, because they were on bills all the time at mm-hmm. festivals, and there was a lot of interaction with those artists, like... Did Fred Durst and Zach have a conversation? What did they talk about? I think it was Wood- Woodstock 99 that like infamous break stuff, Limp mm-hmm. Bizkit performance was followed by Rage Against the Machine. It was. It certainly, we and did an entire podcast on this on The Ringer called, a podcast called Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 99. Really good show. It's on the, the service Luminary, which is very hard to hear these days, but um, <laughs> it's a very good show if you're interested in checking it out. And like, they, there clearly was a lot of crossover between those types of bands, and you know, also like Creed and a, a few other bands that kind of came good after them God. too. God, I mean, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's it is an interesting time and an interesting overlap of what feel like different eras, and yet, oh boy, who can we point to now in like the you know this last. 15 years is there any well you know i think about how run the jewels were able to involve zach so fluidly and easily and i i think that that's an answer did you listen to that uh sound exploder about that song just no it's really good and they talk about how he sent over they used his like demo track that he had sent over. He had originally tried to do it a little more like fluid and LP was just like, no, I need you to go full Rage Against the Machine on this. I need you to like scream it. And he sent him and he's like, all right, that's it. 
And he's like, no, don't you want me to do anything else? He's like, no, <laughs> this is it. It's going right on the, the record. I mean, they do have like strands of other bands that they participated in, you know, Audio Slave and Prophets of Rage. And those, yeah. those are mm-hmm. bands that existed. There's not really a lot, maybe a little, maybe like Queens of the Stone Age. I mean, I don't even, what kind of like heavy rock bands have been successful in the last 20 years? You know, it's probably primarily in rap and primarily in independent rap. You know, sometimes I hear those riffs in those early Audio Slave songs and I'm just like, I wish these were Rage songs. Same. I mean, I like Chris Cornell's voice, but I, it just... It would have been just a little bit sweeter. Yeah, he was not. He was not done making incredible riffs, and, and yeah. some of them are really, really good. Yeah, it's like um, if you get a double scoop of ice cream, but the ice cream flavors are like pecan and blueberry. These are great, but they, they're not. They're not together. I actually want a second scoop of that pecan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why did I get blueberry? That was a weird choice. And Chris Cornell was Blueberry, you know, he was delightful True. and delightful singular. Delightful on its own, sure, yes. yes, we enjoy, but we don't need to be. So we're, we've already kind of touched on this as well, but the next category of artistry slash skill, obviously Tom Rello is an extremely skillful guitar player and someone who is unique. I think Zach's skills on the mic cannot be understated. And also, I don't think brad and tim as a rhythm section really get the credit that that is due there because yeah that's the first time we've said their names yeah brad wilk and and tim comerford i mean because you've got like these obviously the two front men but i think holding it down very very skillfully maybe even masterly is is that rhythm section which provides the the pulse of the whole thing the legendary tim 2k as he so famously went by for many years. That was his, Nick, I think he's credited as Tim 2K on one of those records. Um, yeah, they were mighty. They they are mighty. I mean, those two guys were so powerful. And I think to withstand the gale force of Tom and Zach's very specific gifts is like you need something very steady. Are we ready for the the last category? Maybe the most important category? Let's do Does this. my mom know who they are? <laughs> and she does. And that may be what really seals the deal. My mom knows who Rage Against the Machine is. Could she name one song? Uh, no, I don't think she could. Same for, I texted my mom and she said, yes, with the capital Y. She probably would have had to buy me that concert ticket. Yeah, but I don't think she could name a song of theirs. I'm certain that my mom could have named, could have identified Rage because she told me to turn it the fuck down like 5,000 <laughs> times in 1996. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, you know, there's just a, there's a cultural ubiquity there. They, they permeated the culture without a doubt. And sometimes that's that's really all you have to do to, to make another rock call. Now, let's let's do our verdict, though. Officially, should Rage Against the Machine be in the rock hall? Will they be inducted? And will it be this year? We'll start with Kristen. Okay. Uh, yeah, they should. And that's not just my little nostalgia button going bing, bing, bing. I think that they're important... I think they're singular. They might not necessarily, they like were a moment in time. And the fact that they were able to say so much in such a public way, like to say some really incredible things 
and have such popularity is pretty incredible. I definitely think that they will get in. There is no doubt. They'll just keep being on the ballot until they're in. I do not think that this is going to be the year for them at all, uh, just based on the way that this ballot is, and also kind of the way that hard rock acts have done historically. But I do think that they will get in, you know, in the next, I would say six years. In six years, they'll get in, everyone will be like, oh, Rage isn't in, that will be really ready uh-huh. to, to reckon with the 90s at that time. And yeah. I think that is, that is the time. Kristen, I'm gonna be in my 40s then that's you and me both baby <laughs> that's okay? not good that's it's not what you want we gotta just get on the we just gotta get on the train okay sean uh, what do you think should they will they will it be this year yeah i mean of course they should i think i voted for them three times now I, i'll i'll make a commitment here on this show to vote for them every time they're on the ballot until they get in i don't think i'm wasting a vote uh i think back to 2000 at the dnc uh national convention when Rage performed outside for protesters and they were really good to their word there. They were, they were soft Naderites, as I recall, in terms of who they were supporting and their politics and their point of view has aged really well. Now you can mm-hmm. make the case that their music has not necessarily aged well because there's just not a lot of music that sounds like them now. And it's not, does not seem very contemporary in any meaningful way, nor can we had a hard time identifying who they influenced, you know, aside from run the jewels and like, I don't know, mud or whatever. I'm not sure what bands <laughs> um, they, they really spoke to, but in a world in which, you know, Bernie Sanders was a, a strong contender for the democratic ticket for the presidential election Rage makes a lot of sense. I mean, Rage would make a lot of sense to a lot of young listeners, I think. They're also a band that that's probably going to continue to be the case historically here. And so you probably want to put them in the hall to be representative of a period in time where a lot of people came of age and came of consciousness about the way that you could use your platform to share your ideas. You know, I mean, that's been kind of the sub theme of the last five years is people figuring that out. So, you know, that's one obvious sort of clinical and historical reason to do it. The other reason is they just kick fucking ass They're They are one of the most powerful and impressive and coolest bands of my lifetime. And I think it'd be great if they went in. Do you think it's happening this year? I don't for all the reasons Kristen said, this is a stacked lineup. Yeah. Um, and there are a handful of no-brainers on there that's going to make it challenging for them. But you know what? I didn't know all of those things that you shared with me about Morello and the way that he's been working the working the system for the last few years. So maybe he yeah. knows something we don't. But also, this is their third time on the ballot. So who knows if he's reserving his powers for a, a time when he feels is right or he has been trying to get the vote out and it hasn't worked or something isn't, isn't really connecting. But uh, Maybe there's a gentleman's agreement that they would wait for three shots so that it did not seem as if there was any collusion <laughs> happening here and enough time has gone by. Interesting. That the, it's uh, rage's time. Rock Hall uh, doesn't seem really like a place for gentlemen's agreements uh, <laughs> historically, but I would say, yeah, they, they obviously, sh- I think they should get in. I, I thought we made a good case for them in this episode. I think they will. I, I don't think it'll be this year. I think it's really going to be kind of one 90s rock act per year. It's the new I, rap now. Yeah, it's the new hip hop. One 90s rock act But I think time. give or take, that's kind of how it's going to go. And I do think for kind of similar le- reasons that we outlined with Morello's connection to the hall, I think Dave Grohl's 
is going to be just slightly stronger. And I, I do see the Foo Fighters oh God, either getting in this year or having a better chance of getting in this I'm year. Shut my computer. <laughs> but, um, and they're also like, they're a much friendlier face for the, the production and the ceremony. Mm-hmm. You know. a, I mean, think of all the connectivity there too. Like Dave Grohl, of course, the producer and host of a HBO series about rock and roll. Uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago and also you know Grohl is basically the friendly face of rock and roll and has been for 10 years he is the most well-liked man in rock and roll yeah he he's a nice just... guy i've met Dave yeah. Grohl. Yeah. big fan great guy you and, know you know consistent work uh over a long period of time he's a he's a journeyman to to some degree yeah so i think rage though is probably going to be Kristen. what you said probably five years or so like it's it's going to be a, a trickle i have a feeling like Beck is going to pop up and then like push, <laughs> push rage and out of high five, Billy Corrigan. They're going to sit down in front of me. Yeah. But it, you know, it, it could happen as soon as, as two years or three years, because we are going to run out of ideas in that category pretty soon. And they, they aren't going to have as stiff of competition kind of in their lane. There isn't going to come a time when then they're like corn is trying to skip the line. Yeah, you know? that's, like that's, that's not happening. absolutely not going to happen, but let's pretend that they're getting inducted this year. Let's talk about who inducts them, who gives the speech. I think a good candidate would be Chuck D. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think because of the connection there, Chuck D has, he inducted the Beastie Boys. He was there for his own induction. So, you know, he would play ball. And I think he would be able to deliver a convincing and kind of passionate speech about their importance and the power of their music. I, you know, I had a thought when you were saying, Sean, about the kind of like how well the politics of their music has aged. I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, oh yeah, and they're going to reunite for AOC's inauguration. You know, it'll be like when Fleetwood Mac got back together for, for, Clinton. for Clinton, you know, like if you could get a political figure. Well, you know, not a kind of a political figure, certainly not a music figure, but someone who is connected to the band because he directed the, I believe it was the Sleep Now in the Fire video is michael moore yeah that makes a lot of sense and that's a that's a big name it you know it would maybe ruffle some feathers but i think rage would like that i wonder if i mean i think mike d and ad rock would be also an interesting potential pair Mm -hmm. of guys to to put them in i could see a world in which like a bruce springsteen steps up for the list you know? Oh, and the hall would just not cut one minute of his speech. They no. wouldn't cut a second, a breath. But they've <laughs> they've paid they've paid homage to Bruce in the past, and Morello and Springsteen are friendly, so yes. I can yes. definitely see that. That's that's definitely up there. there. There's, I think, good odds with with Bruce. And uh, Bruce is kind of the friendly face of being a liberal yes. rock star. You know, the other names I have written down are mostly just like kind of tit for tat, returning the favor. You know, Zach inducted Patti Smith. She could return the favor. And then, I mean, it would be funny and it would be bad, but Gene Simmons to induct that's, Rage that's Against really Machine. That's really funny. What about like, How dare you? What about like Hetfield and Lars or something like that? Like guys carrying the mantle of like heavy mm-hmm. rock? Yeah. I mean, you know, Lars has, he inducted Deep Purple and kind of surprised everyone with a really great speech that was like personal and passionate did rage ever open for metallica i feel like they may have yeah they definitely opened for each other in my high school boyfriend's car (laughs) for sure they did 
at the ceremony, what songs do they have to play? It's usually three or four songs. I mean, I kind of outlined what I thought were the the big four rage songs, Killing in the Name of Bulls on Parade, Testify, and Guerrilla Radio. I think opening Bulls on Parade, mm-hmm. which, which is, I, and again, like these, are those guys, is Tom Morello 50? Like how old are those guys? They've got to be, yeah, in the area. I mean, they're that's, still doing yoga though. So that's, they're, that's they're a good point. That's up, a great so. point. Yeah, I would say open Bulls on Parade, uh, then Testify sleep now in the fire and then close with killing in the name Killing in the name of and killing in the name could be like a jam that's what i'm that's what i'm I was thinking. always trying to i'm trying, I don't I'm know about trying that. to get everybody on stage to do the weirdest i mean genre. that would be out of we've control we've got dion warwick <laughs> <laughs> we're fucking doing it good Come god on. Well, you know, Sean, you mentioned that you missed your shot to see Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, I did. If they get inducted, would you go to the ceremony? Uh, we're in a post-COVID world. Yes. Um, sure. Yes. That's I think, the spirit. I think that would be confirmation of my utter selloutitude. You know, the idea mm-hmm. that the first time I would see my favorite band, the leftist <laughs> radical Rage Against the Machine... <laughs> <laughs> would be surrounded by a bunch of 80 year olds who are inducting them into an imaginary hall of fame. Mm-hmm. There you go. And also they couldn't single you out because you would be surrounded by the most sellout sellouts. Oh exactly. my God. I would be fucking Mao in that crowd. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. me? That's maybe the ideal scenario. Yeah. Maybe uh, I should well, go. You know what? We, we will, we will definitely be there. Be there. Whether it's this if year, we're still or doing five the years. show in six years, Joe. What's going to happen? <laughs> you know we're going to become what? the people that I talk about. I really can't. You know what's? A, I think a, a, a nice future that I imagine is that we're not doing the show, but still, once a year we get together and we go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. <laughs> And it's like a cute little tradition. We get together, we fill out our ballots. There, yeah, exactly. Think that's that's good thinking. Uh, well, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to plug whatever you would like. Sure. Uh, the ringer.com. That's the website where I work. Uh, the big picture is the podcast I host. It's a conversation show with filmmakers and my co-host Amanda Dobbins about the movie industry. And I don't know. That's it. That's cool. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. I never get to talk about this. I'm honored that you would ask me. I'm honored you would let me talk at length and with such pretension about Rage Against the Machine in my teenage years. <laughs> I'm so I'm I'm genuinely grateful for that. I feel oh my uh, goodness. like I've exercised something powerful. It was truly a pleasure. And we'll have to get you on next year before you fill out your ballot. Yeah, I want to be seeing a blank ballot next year okay, i want to have lobbying power if i don't have my own ballot, because we we try to get we try to we make our case okay right. you got a deal and our listeners know they can follow us at rock pod on twitter and instagram rock at gmail.com is the email if you want kristen to see that you need to designate that somewhere in your message otherwise i'm not going to forward it subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. rate and review us five stars only anything less than five is rude thank you to mike lloyd for the logo thank you to yusu kim for the music and thank you to pantheon Podcasts for hosting us i'm joe quazala i'm kristen stuttered and who cares about the rock hall it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 